The following is a DFAT Entertainment podcast, recorded and edited by Jake Duell. And will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. Preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. We dare not forget today that we are the heirs of that first revolution. The world is very different now, for man holds in his mortal hands the power to abolish all forms of human poverty and all forms of human life. So let us begin anew, remembering on both sides that civility is not a sign of weakness and sincerity is always subject to proof. Let us never negotiate out of fear, but let us never fear to negotiate. Let both sides explore what problems unite us instead of belaboring those problems which divide us. Aaron, welcome back to the tavern. Jake, I'm so glad to be here. I've been getting thirsty. So uh, what are we drinking tonight? Well, you picked it out. Yeah, I did. Um, And it is Atomic Pumpkin. Yeah. A not special release, a spicy release by Voodoo Ranger. Yeah. It's New Belgium. I'm, I'm excited to try this. You have a story, though. I do. I do. So um, I figured I would avoid having any colorful stories because uh, this is one of the first times that you sent me a picture that wasn't taken in Wegmans. But I just assumed, based on your shopping patterns, that you probably picked this up at Wegmans. Yep. Yes, I did. <laughs> but you tried to trick me by not taking the picture in Wegmans. Try to send me on a wild goose chase. But I thought, no, I'm going to be smart. I'm going to go to Wegmans first. And I'm going to look there. Then I can go wander. So I'm wandering through the beer section of Wegmans. And I'm looking for it. I'm looking for it. And then I find you know, voodoo ranger in the racks and they don't have it. I'm like, God damn it. Now I'm going to have to go on a little adventure and have to see if my magic gas station has it. And uh, someone comes up to me that works there and they're like, hi, sir, can I help you? And I was like, well, maybe I'm looking for this, uh, this beer from voodoo ranger. I think it's uh, probably a special release Um, comes in an orange can. I'm trying to describe it but I'm not telling him what it is for whatever reason, probably because the, the name of it didn't come to mind. And he was like, mm, I don't really know. Um, you're saying it's like a specialty thing. I was like, yeah, it's probably seasonal. I think it just came out. And he goes, is it pumpkin flavored? And I was like, and I pull, I pull, finally pull out my phone. I was like, yeah, it's pumpkin flavored. And he goes, oh, then it's probably in the pumpkin display over there. And they had an yep. entire wall of just pumpkin beer. And I was like, well, it was a pumpkin on top. And it's it's like fall seasonal beers couldn't have been more obvious. And for whatever reason, I, I ignored it and decided like a schmuck to go digging through the regular racks. So, yep. That's ready, my story. You ready to try this thing? Yeah, I'm nervous because you seem very excited. I, I seem very nervous too because there's jalapeno in it to give it that spiciness. What? Yeah. It's pumpkin though. Smells okay. Mm, yes. Mm, mm. Light pumpkin y notes with a kick. Ooh, second sip, I'm getting that kick. <laughs> ooh, it is. Uh, ooh, it sits ooh. on the bottom. What have you done to me, Jake? <laughs> oh. This is. Uh... <laughs> I took too big of a sip. Why would you put? 
Why is it spicy? <laughs> well, oh, oh, my my mouth afterwards is feeling fire. A good thing I still have this uh, dark rum from the last. I'm going to have to wash it down. Wow. That is, if you're looking, I mean, it's not, I'm not going to say it's bad. It's it's just so different because you don't taste the jalapeno, but like five seconds after your sip, your tongue burns a little bit. Afterburn. Afterburn. It is an ale brewed with pumpkin, cinnamon, and chilies. Oh, sorry. Chilies, not jalapeno. That is a, I don't hate it. I kind of enjoy it. I think it might be a beer that would taste better if you poured it out of the can into some sort of glass. I mean, it's so weird because all I smell is cinnamon, Mm -hmm. cinnamon. And then you taste it and you're like, oh, a little bit of pumpkin. And then (laughs) spicy. Well, uh, well, before we get into our, our, our main topic, let's take a moment to recognize our longstanding sponsor, um, who will be leaving us shortly from everything I've been told, but Ridley's Gaming Realm, you've been good to us, and we want to show you a great way out. So uh, if you're looking for classically used games, check out Ridley's Gaming Realm on Facebook. It's on the Facebook, Jake? It's This on... is the first I'm hearing of this, by the way. Every time. It's because <laughs> I use an ice pick to remove <laughs> the ad memory from your head every time. Perfect. I appreciate that. So... With our great shout out to Ridley's Gaming Realm, go check them out. They'll be in the description of the podcast below. We need to continue our movie series. And uh, this was a pick from you. It was yes. uh, 2004's Welcome to Mooseport. And <laughs> ooh, that does not taste good burped up. <laughs> um, the, the beer nor the movie. No. Um, before we get into talking about the politics of this movie, <laughs> I, I want to give you just some brief uh, description. So it's a 2004 movie uh, with a $30 million budget and at box office, it made $14.6 million. So uh, it lost over $15 million at box office. I, I don't see how with this <laughs> cinematic masterpiece that was Welcome to Mooseport. Um, and I think the thing that stood out to me right off the bat, this was from a different time. It was so much from a different time that it felt ridiculously out of place in the political arena. Back when, uh, I mean, early 2000s, man, comedy gold. I don't think I laughed really at all while watching the movie. Now, it's not the first time I've seen the movie. I saw it with my parents when I was in like high school at like a from Blockbuster. We rented it, but I didn't really remember the movie. So the plot of the movie is the president of the United States leaves the Oval Office after eight years And the first lady decided to divorce him and he lost his main home in Boston and the other vacation home. So he stuck with the vacation home in the small town of Mooseport, Maine. And on his first day in the town, we find out the mayor had died 
And of course, the town board, being all powerful in a small town, was able to appoint a new mayor, and they unanimously voted for the president of the United States, former president, to become mayor of their small town. But unknown to them, someone, a local plumber, Ray Romano, filed, and now the president of the United States must take on a small town plumber for a mayoral (laughs) election. Good recap, Jake. Yes. No spoilers. Spoilers to come. Spoilers to come. (laughs) I mean, back when we could joke about politics on a, you know, soft level, right? I mean, I don't think you can because this movie flopped. (laughs) True. True. I, I mean, I don't know how Ray Romano, Gene Hackman, uh, other people, Christine um Bernowski from the good wife and that new lawyer show that she keeps playing her character and fred savage i mean the true star of this fred savage of course an american treasure rip torn like i mean big big early 2000s 90s actors so yeah yeah exactly uh fred savage looks super young still in this movie uh, always makes me fooled but oof this movie was uh rough and and i think part of it was the way it presented small towns was a way that like even in 2004 was not the way small towns were really anymore right i mean kind of closer because we're right before the 2000 seven 2008 economic downturn but like this is a true small town they don't have a big box store there's no walmart or anything like ray romano's hardware store seems to sell anything the town needs and he's also the lone construction person (laughs) in the town like he's the hardware store owner the plumber he builds cabinets he like what doesn't he do like jack of all trades yeah um there's always that one guy in every small town now yeah there there is yeah now to oh and there's like a wild moose that just kind of roams around the town that's like ray romano's character's pet but not his pet <laughs> right but it's moose port it's moose port we got ray gotta... romano play a moose in some animated movie i don't know maybe at some point maybe I'm looking that up Ray Romano Moose. Mm, not getting anything. I'm just getting Moose Port. So, yeah. All right. He played a squirrel or something in Ice Age. No, he plays the 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 beaver thing. Or is he the mastodon? No, he's the master. He's the uh, main, oh, okay. like the main fucking character. I haven't seen Ice Age in forever. I know you he have a kid. Characters, just play it for them. We're into How to Train Your Dragon at World's Edge or whatever, the TV show of oh, How to Train Your Dragon now. Still so. Mickey Mouse, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Ray Romano. Yeah. Gene Hackman. God. Duking it out. Yes. So they have a debate. 
at one point and they decide who's going to debate first through rock, paper, scissors. Yes. Uh, they have a second debate that also requires rock, paper, scissors. Um, so first of all, they think the first unrealistic thing was like one of the president's former campaign advisors is bored up in DC or down in DC. So he's like, I can come down there and run your campaign for you. And Gene Hackman's character who apparently had 85% approval rating as president (laughs) somehow is like pretty much getting his butt handed to him by Ray Romano for most of it. And somehow just losing endorsements left and right. Like he's losing book deals and speaking arrangements. So his presidential library keeps getting smaller because he's losing money and his ex-wife keeps suing him for more money. Like this, first of all, this movie was extremely sexist in like the greedy ex-wife keep coming after his money ideas that they present right in it um oh it was early 2000s jake yeah i mean it it had a lot of early 2000s i mean like the whole what underwear are you wearing joke sketch up to when ray romano's girlfriend goes on a date with the president right very bad very bad (laughs) movie did not age well like a fine milk Mm. looking at the box office i don't think it was an age well thing it probably didn't go over well right off the bat someone thought this was a good movie though if one or two people um oh my god this beer um yeah so like for i i think if if you're taking on a president who somehow impossibly has an 85 percent approval rating that does not happen first right. of all but if you're taking on that president someone from dc is going to come down and run your campaign to try to make their chops and be like look i ran this local hardware store owner and beat the president of the united states like you right. want me running your campaigns but that doesn't happen. The most he gets is the ex-wife randomly shows up in town to start helping him. Right. Not really run the campaign, but just push the ex-president down. Right. Just to just to put more you know knives into his back just for shits and giggles. Yes. Although the best is the uh, golfing. Scene oh, yes. Where he's like, hold on. Wait for the magic bounce. <laughs> and then she yes. shows up. Come on out. I know you're there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, at one point, they have a fair fight through a golfing match. And that fair fight isn't for like the mayoral race or anything, it's for the girlfriend. Yes. And who gets to chase after her? And at that point, we find out that the president's 10 handicap was fake secret service had been hiding in the bushes and <laughs> knocking his ball back out and even though the president somehow golfed so bad he tied ray romano by the end of it even though like the very first hole they show ray romano's character shoots a six and the president shoots a 15 
there's no way it gets down to the last hole and it's just not blown out of the water. Well, it's, it's early 2000s drama, Jake. We need the suspense. They came up with a plot device and they went, oh, shit, this doesn't really work. Yeah. Yeah. You weren't meant to think you were meant to be high eating Funyuns while watching this movie. Um, sorry, this isn't grandma's boy. <laughs> this is welcome to Mooseport. <laughs> it's stoner comedy with a little bit of politics thrown in. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This was. This was well, rough at times. <laughs> I have a question. I had a question for you. Yes. That you may or may not know, or at least you would you might be able to look it up. So the premise of the president of the United States then running for a subsequent, quote unquote, lesser public position. Has that ever happened in the history of the presidents Hmm. that you know of? There was a president who became a Supreme Court justice after their term. I would consider that an equal. Yeah, there was presidents who were mayors even even for their term regardless of what current politics think the supreme court is on the same level as the president who is on the same level as congress and the senate whoa whoa though... whoa what are you talking about separation of powers three branches what yeah, is this three crazy three equal branches no regardless of where you stand the three branches are supposed to be equal you don't get to say stuff like you know, I don't really believe in the Supreme Court's decision because it goes against my wishes. Doesn't fucking matter. You're equal. That's the whole point of separation of powers. We have a president, not a dictator. Maybe we should get rid of the president entirely and just let Congress and the Supreme Court duke it out. But well, on that note, I recently saw that there was some number thrown out by the founders originally for how many House members or how many people a house member should represent. And it was like 1500 or something, which means oh, wow. the, the house would be like 10,000 people. I mean, that would be fun. Like, I mean, could you imagine those debates? Like we would half of DC a, would just be like house members. I'd be fine with that. It'd be so interesting. You the think of how great. Oh my gosh. It would be like Rome with the, uh, you had to set up like a dome and have like think of how fascinating like C-SPAN would be. And today, stepping into the congressional dome, <laughs> the representatives from New York duking it out with the representatives from the two representatives from Delaware. No, no, no. It wouldn't even be like that. And the representative from this portion of Monroe County in New York and the representative (laughs) from this small portion of Monroe County, Illinois. Yeah. Um, But I don't know if a president has ever sought lower office after being president. Uh, let's see. Have any pres have any U.S. presidents ever run for a lesser elected office after their term ended? Uh, Don't give me a. Um, let's see. Former President Taft was appointed as a Supreme Court justice. 
Bum, bum, bum. Yes, the Supreme Court is equal to the president. That is not lesser. Oh, and that's that's the end of your. Uh, OK, that's the yeah. end of your answer. OK, yeah. Let's so see no. anybody else. Uh, John Quincy Adams. Adams ran for a seat in the House and won. So he became a congressman after being president. Okay. So that's that's kind of. So what I'm hearing is Donald Trump needs to make history again by challenging Ron DeSantis for governor of Mucktown, Florida. No, don't you know the conspiracy theory? Trump's running again or something. That's why Florida got that extra congressional seat. It's an uncontested congressional seat that just so happens to exist right where Mar-a-Lago is. Hmm. <laughs> He's going to be a congressman. Then He's going to be Congress. The, the Republicans are going to take over the they're, House. They're going to vote him as of the House. And then they'll do the impeachment and we'll have a, a literal coup for the first time for the second time during Trump's presidency. Uh, yeah, no. Um, I mean, with yeah. the way that Biden handled, handled Afghanistan, he's getting ready to, he's basically setting up his own impeachment anyway, but back to Mooseport. So no, a pre, the president has never exited the U.S. presidency and become the mayor of a small town. I mean, I'm not going to lie. When I saw a, a president living at a golf resort after his term because his wife divorced him, I'm like, man, they like knew about Trump in advance. Like <laughs> spot on. Like, yeah, Melania somehow is staying with Donald still, but uh, I I don't know why. Personality? Hair. She likes his hair. Yeah, it's his hair. I mean, this movie almost had too much, like in that it had three love stories going on, a political story and like really weird, awkward, recurring jokes. Right. Like the dog not jumping on the couch, Ray Romano's girlfriend being stronger than him. And like this whole thing about how weak Ray Romano's character is like. I was like, what? Like, do I just not remember early 2000s comedy? Or was this just bad comedy? I think it was a combination of both. And then like the the ending was weird. Oh, yes. Like let's, was it just the way they shoehorn everything in? Let's talk about that ending. Okay. Talk about it from a cinematic point of view and a political point of view. I want to talk about it from a political point of view. Okay. What proceeds to happen? So we get to the second debate and the president, the former president's losing all these endorsements. And he gets this great idea that, hey, at the second debate, I'm going to say I'm back in Ray Romano's character for mayor. And then if I win, I win. Awesome. If I lose, I seem like the greatest guy ever still. All my endorsements come back. My presidential library grows to this grandiose thing I had in the first place that my architect is standing over and crying as we have to shrink it down every <laughs> single time. 
because the presidential library is all that matters. Yeah, exactly. Politics. It's not exactly. about being president. It's about the library. It's about the library after. Um, so we get to the debate and then Ray Romano's like, I want to make an announcement beforehand. And he's like, I'm backing the president. So then the president still backs Ray's character and says, I'm going to vote for you. And Ray's character is like, no, I'm going to vote for you. And then they get into a fight backstage and then throw it as a freak accident where the banner fell down and a ladder hit them and whatever. It gets to election day and the president, even though he said he was going to vote for Ray Romano, votes for himself. Classic politician. Yes. Then it gets to the announcement of who wins and it's a one vote thing. The president wins by one vote and somehow he grew a conscience and now he's like, no, I lied. I said I was going to vote for Ray Romano's character. I didn't. Ray Romano, you're actually the mayor. And then Ray Romano's character is like, I lied. I said I was going to vote for you. I didn't. I voted for myself. You're actually the mayor. Yada, yada, yada. Things proceed. The president becomes the mayor. Ray Romano finally proposes to his girlfriend, which is another running storyline throughout this entire movie, Mm -hmm. then confesses to his now fiance that he lied about voting for himself. Lied about lying. And he actually voted for the president and should be the mayor. And then the president now has fallen in love with his chief of staff. I'm not quite sure what her position was before this and uses his power as mayor to delay the plane she's leaving on so that he can tell her that he loves her. And like, everyone's like, congratulations, Mr. President. They're like, it's Mr. Mayor to you now. And they're like, Mr. Mayor. And then Rip Torn, who's the political advisor, shows up and tries to convince Ray Romano's character to run for governor of Maine. And then he's like, no, I'm happy here. Wait, does a mayor have to answer to the governor? He's like, yeah. And he's like, I'm in. And it's kind of like how the movie ends. Because that's who you want for governor. Someone who doesn't actually know what a governor is supposed to do. I mean, it is the governor of Maine. That's true. Can you sign these moose releases? Yeah. Done. We, We caught another Canadian in Maine. Did they know they were in Maine? No, they thought they were still in Canada. Let them go. So what do you want to unpack first? The the whole like vote, like I lied part. Yeah. The fact that you used the plot device that it came down to one vote. One vote. One vote. One singular vote. Here's the thing. Even if the president was like, I lied, I voted for myself. That's still one that still doesn't change the vote. I mean, it's a small town for all we know. They, he he, he doesn't technically change the vote. He uses his mayoral powers to appoint Ray Romano's character as mayor. After. But, but it's a, is a mayor. But it's like, can a mayor just appoint his six? Like you would have to resign. Like you weren't sworn in yet. There are no powers. 
It makes no sense. And even and like and like okay, so so yes, the plot device and thing is he used his newly formed mayoral power, even though he hadn't been sworn in, so he wasn't actually mayor. To, um, you know, be like, no, I lied. He's the better person. He should be, he should be your mayor. But the only thing he can do is basically invalidate his vote, which would have just brought it to a tie. Which in this town probably meant that you flipped a coin on the back of a moose, and whichever way the moose ran, that's who's mayor. But because like switching the vote isn't going that once again, I think it's a moose riding contest. Whoever can stay on the moose the longest is mayor. The other one dies because the moose is unhappy. And, you know, a moose is four times the size of a Buick Camry. So, yes, I just made up a car. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. That whole plot device. Like, I don't know. It was such, and like the fact that like, I'm sorry, maybe it's because I'm looking at it through the lens of today, that town would have been swarmed with like Fox News. Ray Romano wouldn't have been able to easily move around like he was. He would have just kept getting requests to be like, no, we want to interview you. You're you're running against the president who had an 85% approval rating what's so right. special about you like right nothing right. Needs- also also it's it's so like you can you can tell that so much was put in the movie with little to no thought at all he's got an 86 percent approval rating but yet the second he's in this small town and put under pressure he starts cracking and like losing all these sponsors yeah exactly so like like so like one and of two things is a- either true either he's the best bullshit artist in the world and that 80 86 percent approval rating is because he lied to the american people through his entire eight years and this is the first time he's being truthful so it's like oh my gosh had we known that you like he's like the probably like so if it's that the case he was the president who was like you know, we would never invade a foreign country while like sending drone strikes and like just <laughs> only droning children. Like, sir, we have two choices. We have the terrorist headquarters or a daycare. Hit the daycare. I love children. Oh my gosh, he's the best president ever. Or, or the whole thing was rigged. And really, the majority of the country hated him, but his election was a sham. But Secret and- Service was there throwing the ball back onto the field to keep him in office. So how much money did he have? Well, on top of that, at one point, they're like, you're losing all these deals. There's still the car commercial. And they're like, no president has ever done a car commercial after leaving office. And like, I think it was Fred Savage's character. And he's like, it's a good car. <laughs> it's like, what? I mean, has a president ever done a commercial for anything? Like, do presidents get endorsements? Like, they get, like, bullshit speaking engagements and you, you know, you slap your name on a book that someone else writes for you and it's like, oh, I got got $16 million for just having been president. But I think it would be more fun if presidents had to get corporate sponsors after. Or I got a better one. After your term in president, as president, any company that you took corporate funds for you have to be the spokesman for for at least one year. 
I mean, like, I don't think any president has, but I'm not going to lie. I could see President Obama doing like a Buick commercial or something. <laughs> oh, could you not? Like, I could, I could like, see that. I'm thinking like Matthew McConaughey's commercial where it's just him driving the Lincoln talking about how great the car is. And like the same thing with Obama, just driving a Buick talking about how great the car is. Oh, straight out of Detroit. I mean, and then on top of that, Ray Romano's character is like, yeah, I won fair and square, but he needs it. Right. He needs to the be president there. needs this. The president with an 86% approval rating who somehow to... loses all his deals the minute right. like he's in a small town election. Right. Well, right, you canceled your speaking your speaking engagement. And then suddenly when he wins the election, he's got like $20 million deals coming through all, all of a sudden. Like, yeah, it's, it's not really, how the there's real something world really shady going yeah. on with this president. I think the other thing we need to talk about from a political standpoint is that first debate, there is a question asked and like the way the questions answered, I do find interesting. Because okay. I think it's probably the only good thing in the entire movie in a criticism of politics. And it's one of the people in town stands up and there's like, you need to put a stop sign in front of so-and-so's house. And how would you help me with this? And the president's character's like, we're going to get the greatest civil engineers. I'm going to get the Army Corps of Engineers out here. We'll do a geographic survey. We'll figure out what's best, yada, 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 and we'll, we'll build this stoplight. Now, keep in mind, this is for a single stoplight in a small town that one person's complaining about this. And when she complains about it, other people in the crowd groan about the complaint. So this is not an issue that affects all people. <laughs> it affects one voter. So Ray Romano's character, after flubbing his first answer and being like, Mr. President, that sounds great. Like is just standing up there and goes, so what's the problem? And she goes, well, whenever so-and-so stops at this place, their headlights go right into my bedroom window. And Ray yep. Romano's character's like, Sounds like you need a blackout curtain. We sell them at the store. Come down tomorrow. <laughs> I'll sell you a blackout curtain. I'll even come and install it because I'm the only person who can do hardware <laughs> stuff in this town. And not only will it help you with the lights, but you'll probably sleep better with a blackout curtain. And she goes, that's a good idea. No one's ever suggested that before. <laughs> like thinking of a blackout curtain is like this far out idea that like, Right. Only a genius could think of like <laughs> required the Army Corps of Engineers to come out. And but I thought right. that was probably the only smart political take in it, because I felt like it was a criticism of like overaction right. to problems when all your you don't actually try to get to the source of the problem. You just hear a problem. And I'm like, let's solution it. And Ray Romano's character is like. But what's the actual problem right here? Because the problem isn't the stoplight or the stop sign. It's a byproduct of that. Right. Like, even if they replace that stop sign with a stoplight, 
she would still have the issue of the headlights. It might be less frequent because sometimes when the light's green now, the headlights move faster. Right. But it would still be there. So I thought that was, in my opinion, the only good political thing in this movie. Like the only like, oh, this is like actually a, a nuanced take taken in a comedic, comedic way. Yeah. No, that was, I mean, from a commentary standpoint, I mean, that is literally the difference between a politician and a regular human being, right? Uh, I mean, that's all Congress does now is take a small problem and then over-engineer a solution that doesn't actually attack the real problem. It just attacks the whole thing on a surface. Yeah. I mean, that's why, you know, budgets are always overblown and, you know, I feel that type of thing happens more on a, in reality, on a small town basis than it, I mean, the federal government wastes money all the time, but um I feel like where you really see that going awry is in like small to medium towns. Like there are so many construction projects that happen in and around Rochester that I'm just like, why the fuck are you doing all of this? Just, just the, the stoplight set up on Monroe for the new Whole Foods Plaza that they added two new stoplights on one of the worst stop and go areas in all of Rochester already that whole thing's just a shit show and the fact that they originally were going to have three exits from that plaza one on monroe one on um allen's creek and one on uh clover but the people on allen's creek and clover complained so they put everything on monroe gonna be fantastic and they could have originally negated the traffic by having multiple ways in and out of that plaza we're gonna see how long that lasts just yeah i mean the starbucks there is great i just don't think the whole foods is gonna do good like no i i don't who's really gonna be going to whole foods that isn't already going to wegmans there wegmans at east ave wegmans in penfield or trader joe's well, here's the what, thing. What is Whole Foods Rochester actually going to something new? But okay, that's going to give them three months of foot traffic. But how is Whole Foods actually going to siphon off long-term traffic from the many grocery stores that surround that area? That Whole Foods would have done much better, like out in Victor, where there is no grocery store. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't go to Victor. I feel like it was a uh pride thing they want they wanted to go to danny's backyard and attack his flagship wegmans which to our three listeners because you know there's only three of you uh i'm sorry to say this but i think the pittsford wegmans is trash compared to all the other wegmans out there it's a garbage wegmans it's too small they're always doing too much bullshit in it it's not a good wegmans why Whole Foods I, went there? I feel like they just wanted to be like, you know, fuck you. I don't. They think should. You they could have done call, twice as good as in if they were in Victor. I, I don't think you could call Pittsburgh a real flagship, even though they tried to. I love it. I mean, it's my Wegmans, but that's because I know where everything is in it, and I get disoriented at any other Wegmans because it's set up unlike any other Wegmans. 
and you're like, wait, why is this here at every other Wegmans? <laughs> like, oh yeah, this one's not a regular Wegmans. So, but no, I think a Whole Foods would have done much better. Where, because what you got tops out there, there is no Wegmans out there. No, you put it on the other side of 96, closer to Eastview Mall, mm-hmm. and it would have done. I think gangbusters. Fantastic. The only thing Whole Foods has over Wegmans and Trader Joe's is their prepared food and their hot bar and cold bar. I don't know how. I mean, because it's been I haven't been back to a Whole Foods in over a year. I don't know if they're still doing that post pandemic. I mean, mean, logic would dictate that they're going back to it or that they found a way to stay clean and sanitary during it. But. I think it Other was a than bad that, decision. I think Jeff it was a Bezos bad decision. overpriced organic, non-organic stuff. I think it was a bad decision on the town of Brighton to allow that plaza to be set up the way it's getting set up. But I mean, it's already got poor design flaws in that the Starbucks there, you can only get into the drive through if you enter from a specific light. I've watched so many people enter from the light closest to the drive through and the turns too tight to get into the drive through. You have to make the turn back up and then go into the drive through. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Poor design already in place, but yes, I can get where you're saying that small towns are more likely to have this type of corruption than the federal government. Right. Cause I mean, I guess that was the other trope of the movie was that obviously politicians in a small town, you know, are more, down to earth and you know honorable than you know big federal politicians my response is they're all the same yeah you know what's surprising is no one really seems upset about the death of the mayor who's apparently been like the mayor forever right they're like hey earlier today the mayor died and we appointed you mayor right no one mourns him like you would expect the two people running for mayor would like show up to the old mayor's funeral that would be like a big thing right a day of mourning a parade all the flags and nothing have. nothing i mean we could come up with so many like crazy theories with this like the they found out the president was coming to town so they murdered the old mayor so that they could appoint the president like i don't like it's so there's also Weird. no political parties. No, there's it. no like they're both parties. like they both just run. Like, do you not do you not have parties? Like, is this because that's the question? Is it a primary? Is it a general? You're just sort of doing it ad hoc. You know, yeah. where's the election election cycle? Why wouldn't you know who's the deputy mayor? Why aren't they acting mayor for the period of for the remainder of the term? It's just like oh, I'm no, pretty sure. The deputy mayor is the guy that gets overly excited about everything. Like we have a traffic jam for the first time in ever in town. Like what? Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. The president running for mayor was probably great for the small town economy. Probably. But that town maybe was population 2000. Like maybe. And you're telling me that it was a tie vote? Still, I'm, I'm telling you, I think that president 
and everything about him was rigged. The election was rigged. They were changing votes, Jake. Well, I, I got to read you some of the critical response from this movie from other people oh, than okay. us. So this movie got a 13% score on um, Rotten Tomato based on 144 critics with just an average 4.2 out of 10. Uh, the consensus was this was a blonde, bland comedy that squanders a very talented cast. But this has got to be my favorite. Uh, this James Bernaldi of Review Reels gave this movie one and a half out of four stars, saying, Welcome to Mooseport's theatrical edge is dull and pitted. The screenplay is overlong and uninteresting. The comedy is soft and shapely, shapeless. The actors perform like they're on a sitcom. There's not a whole lot to like in Welcome to Mooseport. And considering how lively real politics are these days, you're likely to get more entertainment out of watching C-SPAN for two hours. <laughs> like, oof. oof. Coming at you hard. When you get, you're more likely to get entertainment out of c-span i mean don't get me wrong c-span can be real entertaining especially if you catch it during the calling portion and it's that one guy who takes all the calls and he's always got to be like uh-huh yep yep we gotta go we've got another caller on the line and you can just tell he hates his life <laughs> and like he'll be like hi i've got uh Suzanne from the the Republican line. Uh, all Democrats are devils, and they're they're worshiping Satan in their backyard. All right, and I've got um, uh, Billy from the Democrat line. Uh, yep, the Republicans are literally tearing up a federal building right now, like in my backyard. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. Yep. Yep. Um. Sure. Thank Thank you for calling. Just the, the the peak of of political awareness and informity. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep, I, I did suggest this movie because I wanted wanted you to have to suffer through it Wasn't as an my, adult. Yeah, I mean, it was my first time suffering through this as an adult. And we can't just keep going down Jake's dystopia movie storyline. Yes. <laughs> Though we have some other dystopia movies in the coming movie episodes but we've got some lighter ones too yeah cover uh what mr smith goes to washington 12 mm -hmm. angry men schoolhouse rock but we're also going to look at like escape from new york so and the politics of whatever is set up in escape from new york so dystopia is just so much more fun well, you can discuss the politics of and the theories of how everything that we currently know collapsed oh god who fucked it up uh, uh surprise everybody yeah, they all just, fucked it up because they, they all all, all of us i mean you supported a two-party system you are the problem everything you thought was okay was wrong congratulations I, I was, I, i'm listening to a podcast right now called it could happen here and they discuss what's called the crumbles which is a really interesting concept that like when collapse comes, it's not going to come as like this major event. It's going to be small crumbling here and there till the collapse happens. 
but they were talking about climate change in a recent episode. And they're like, look, everyone's to blame on this. We've known about climate change for the longest time. We knew that if we didn't follow um, the Kyoto Accords, what was like before Paris, that we were going to hit 1.5 degrees Celsius of warming, which is not deadly, but like what they're considering irreversible in the climate models. Right. And originally it was like, well, if we take some steps up ahead, we can prevent 1.5 degrees of warming. Now, because nobody did anything, Republican or Democrat, it's like, no, we're going to hit 1.5 degrees of warming. What do we do to make it not even worse than that? Right. So they're all responsible. (laughs) Is what it comes down to. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Just a steaming pile of shit. Uh, Oh, just like this movie. Yes. (laughs) Yes correlations between politics and the movie oh this this movie was uh one for the uh archives to be locked away and never brought out again i just feel bad because it was a great cast like i almost want to see this movie remade because i think a 2021 2022 remake of this movie would Ooh. be amazing. Think about it. The partisan politics, like m- make your eight year president based off of like a Donald Trump type character who will not accept losing. Make the small town person like a factory worker who's lost his job because of outsourcing, or like he could even be the hardware store owner who doesn't have the hardware store anymore because like a Lowe's moved into town. And now he's like the late hours manager at Lowe's like working to get the money to buy back his hardware store or his grandpa, his dad's hardware store. And he could still be the guy that like is doing all the plumbing in town, too. But that's because he's working four or five jobs to maintain his family like. I'm making it much too bleak, but you could probably make a comedy out of that. Thank too. you, Jake. Thank you. Just Sorry. suck all the fun out of it. Well, I, this movie didn't have any fun to suck out of it in the first place. Oh, but I, I think a 20, like with the right script, this concept could be done in a fun way. Yeah. You just, you would just overblow any political trope that you currently have going on. Yeah. Big, big politics versus, you know, non-political person. You would have to bring the party affiliation into it, though. You couldn't do what this did, which was just ignore it. Just they're generic. He's a generic party person. Okay. Democrat or Republican. See, and they could even make it work that the current mayor right before he died replaced his um vice mayor with the president of the united states and his council approved it and the president didn't know it and that's how he becomes president no better better yet the vice mayor resign had to resign amid scandal (laughs) and the mayor has a heart attack basically getting caught up in the scandal or something else 
So then all you're left with is the town council. And that's why. Because there is, because there's no line of succession with the town. I have a concept. Okay. It's going to kind of take this a little bit on its head. Lay it on me, Jake. It's not a former president. It's a former governor who had to resign in disgrace and move to this small town because that governor decided, I can just live in the governor's mansion. And then ended up moving to the small town and says, I'm going to restart my political career in Horseheads, New York. (laughs) And that's the movie. I don't know where I, I'm pulling that type of like governor who had to yeah, resign in I, disgrace. Like who would who would that be? I don't know. I mean, maybe. maybe oh, and even better, this guy's could have a brother who works for one of the major news networks, and he's like, "Oh, my brother, he, you know, mom likes me better, but my brother, he's good, and mom likes him too." And our dad, our dad was a great guy. Bridge named after him. You should vote for him for mayor of Horseheads. Just saying. <laughs> I would just like to point out that what is it? It's like the last four governors of New York have all resigned What's with some type of scandal. Spitzer, yeah. Uh, Cuomo. The person who replaced Spitzer, didn't he resign as well? I don't think so. We're looking this up. We're Googling. Oh, this that goes. I pulled up a list that went all the way back. Um, yeah, David Patterson resigned. Did he? Uh, Patterson faced allegations of witness tampering, soliciting improper gifts, and making false statements. Uh, he was fined for having lied under oath. Okay. And abruptly left office. Yeah, Spitzer left. I mean, there was... Mario Cuomo didn't resign, but uh, Pataki you know, didn't leave. Pataki didn't leave. And oh my, he was god. he was okay. Oh my god! Between Mario Cuomo and Kathy, now we've only had. Five governors? That's sad. Well, yeah, Mario, 12 years. Pataki, 12, 12 years. years. Elliot Spitzer, <laughs> one year and 76 days. Good job, buddy. Patterson, two years and 290 days. Cuomo, 10 years. And uh, 245, almost. Kathy with 10 days. Yeah. Jeez. Maybe we shouldn't allow our governors to stay for 12 years that oh uh rockefeller was 14 years oh it's a rockefeller of course rockefeller was let's see who else had long terms no No. horace white was a whole 87 (laughs) days really really working it there horace no one it was like two years and three years before that yeah, I thought I think you know a couple New seventy York. days, six years. Most quit, some turned to you know drugs and alcohol. Well, the very first one, he was seventeen years. So, 
Yes, but then it drops down to like six years and it follows like a three to five year pattern for the longest time after that. Fascinating. That would be funny. I mean, it would be a little bit more believable of a disgraced governor having to run for mayor of a small town of the state he's in. I just think that would be so funny. Like, don't make it a mayor who had 87 percent or a, a president who had 87 percent approval rating right it's not believable because if he really had an 87 percent approval rating no one would run against him because he had an 87 percent approval rating because let's be honest there's only like what there's only two ways that he'd have an 87 percent approval rating either his party represents 87 percent of the country or he was that well liked and loved that he had people from both sides of the aisle happy for him. And if you have people both sides of the aisle that love you that much, no one's going to run against you because you're fantastic. All right, here, here we go. I've got it for you. Okay. So it is going to be New York. The town is red house, New York. This town has the smallest population of any town in New York. About a quarter of the town's population holds some sort of public office. <laughs> so, like, the whole point is I moved there a quarter of the town. A, like, what are the... I have a one in four chance of winning. Like, I gotta be winning. Oh, my gosh. That's fantastic. It's just a political town. We're rewriting this movie. Absolutely. 100%. And it's going to be so much more funny with the disgraced governor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, a governor of New York, it's got to be something with, uh, you know, him thinking with his dick. I just touched the faces. <laughs> it's a cultural thing. Everyone. We, you, you we, don't grope, like... we grope people. I mean, touch people. I mean, hug people. I live in Little Italy. This town has 50 people and you declared your house Little Italy. Right. Exactly. I live in Little Italy. There's two other Italians. I said it was Lil. (laughs) Oh, Uh, God. What a joke. I didn't actually think it would happen. I thought Cuomo was going to hold on somehow. I mean, he's tried to hold on to lots of other things, you know, before. Uh, Here's my thought. I think he had to have a come to Jesus moment when the senate of new york was like no we got the votes we will impeach you and he was like ah shit like coming back from an impeachment's gonna be a lot harder than coming back from resigning in a couple years you know i could run for president for all i know like i don't think it was that i think you- i think your first part's right but the big difference between him resigning and him being impeached is if he resigns he keeps his pension if he's impeached he loses the whole thing. I mean, he already didn't have a house. But the way like most political offices work is when you enter politics, you get a pension. And every time you like basically level up, the pension grows. So theoretically, if he was impeached, he would lose everything. And even if he was reelected as governor, his pension wouldn't be as high as it was when he was impeached because he hadn't built it back up. Well, He's a green son of a bitch for welcome to Mooseport, New York edition. When we <laughs> record that movie, would you say the town was 
Uh, I said horse heads, but the smallest town is technically Red House. Yeah. So welcome to Red House. It sounds like a horror movie. (laughs) But there's a bunch of towns. There's 21 towns in New York that have at least less than 250 people. That's too small. Like, how do people live in towns that small? I mean, they're... I'm going to guess they don't have governors and stuff in these towns. You mean mayors? Or Yeah, mayors and stuff. Yeah, I, most I'm of those are they're... just like a town board. Yeah, I'm like even seeing... Here's one that we... Hamlet of South Lima in Livingston County has 240 people. Its estimated area is 0.883 square miles. Like... Here's a question. Here's a question to pose to you. Don't most in most small towns, isn't the mayor a figurehead and doesn't actually hold any office power? And it's really because like Victor and I just learned this because it blew my mind. Victor has a mayor, which I was like, what the fuck? We have a mayor, but we have a town board and we have the town supervisor. The mayor doesn't actually, from what I can gather, doesn't actually have any power at all. It's more like a Brighton has a mayor. We just have the town supervisor. Right. And that's the power position. So maybe we have to add that into our movie. It's the governor and he's he's running for mayor thinking this is it. And maybe he gets it. And then it's like, yeah, this is an honorific. Yeah, any of those times you see like those feel good news stories like good dog lucky made mayor for the month in such and such town the mayor doesn't do anything in those towns it's an honorific position so they're like yeah we can make a dog the mayor it'll be a cute news story and lucky the dog will be the mayor he hits a button on the computer wrong and all of a sudden they're at war with canada yeah. Lucky, what did you do? You weren't supposed to hit that button. <laughs> the nuke comes out of like the center of town. So I'm seeing like Shits Creek meets <laughs> Welcome to Mooseport with a disgraced governor being the person <laughs> who has to move there. Yep. I'm feeling Let's do it. this. Okay. Let's do this. If any of our three uh, listeners have ties to Hollywood, let us know. We'll get this written, produced, and uh, shipped off to Netflix by morning. And a topic, Um, pumpkin will be the official beer of the movie. Yeah, everybody has to drink it while filming. I I mean, it's not a bad beer, but it's not a great beer either. Why is it spicy? I don't know. Well, any final thoughts on Welcome to Mooseport? (laughs) Nope, I'm I'm glad it's uh it's done with and we can move past it. All right. Well, Aaron, it's been great. Listeners, uh next time we get together, we're continuing the constitutional series. We're going to be alternating back and forth between movies and the constitution for the rest of the year. Um so keep your ears open for the next <laughs> podcast. Stay tuned. And as always, stay safe, drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time at the tavern.
podcast です。